Welcome to Be Righteous, where we believe it's okay to be right, but it's better to be righteous. We ain't no Seventh Day. We ain't no Muslim. We ain't Jehovah's Witnesses like your mama and your cousins. But we is right I tried to witness to a woman, she said you sound like a Mormon I said, baby, you're crazy, cause that ain't us I tried hey, to reason with my Freestyle cousin, Friday, I got like one for y'all said, Let me turn my auto-tune on, check it out us. This just look like an auto-tune night Listen, that ain't us, that ain't us, that ain't us We ain't moving how they moving, we ain't doing what they doing That ain't us, that ain't yeah. They say his name ain't Jesus They tryna steal his glory like a thief does But they gon' be tested like the apostles that it feeds us yeah. They got their own doctrine, they can't deceive us yeah. They proud and they boasting like they a genius yeah. But if they be honest, they really need us yeah. yeah. Not really us though, but what's inside us It's what we know that keeps us righteous They need a lot of books Stick with this one So many lessons here Don't wanna miss one Or should I say that I can't afford to miss one You ain't gotta understand it Until you get one Till you get one Until you get one You ain't gotta understand yeah. Until you get one Hey, Yo, my computer acting real nice tonight Okay, it might not last long, so I better stop messing around and go ahead and get to the lesson. But you know when I'm feeling it, I got to give you something special. So there you go. Yeah, righteous family, what it do? You know what it is, what it ain't. Brother Rick here with a lot of gas in his tank. Yeah, yeah. It's your boy, Brother Rick here, one more time with the Be Righteous Podcast. And as usual, make sure you like, subscribe, and more importantly, share what we about to talk about today. Listen, first and foremost, let me say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who's donated to the ministry for me to get a new computer. I know some people still have donations that they want to give, and we can still use the help for anybody that would like to. So if that's you, please call me, text me, email me. I'll make sure to give you the information so that you can donate. But again, I just want to show my gratitude for everyone who took it upon themselves because I didn't ask for this. Y'all just gave it. That's how I know that God is good. I praise Jesus for every last one of y'all. And if I never get another donation, I know that he got me. So just to give you an update, I did go ahead and place the order for the computer and man, it cost a pretty penny. But if God say the same, it'll be here next week and we won't run into these problems anymore. We just got to pay this doggone credit card off. Y'all know how credit work. They want all their money and then some. But anyway, again, I really, really, really appreciate you guys for looking out when we needed you. So, without further ado, let's get into this thing. Today's lesson is the second half of who we aren't, the uh, Hebrew Israelite camps, right? We did the first half. I've been trying to do the second half. Well, let me say this. I've been wanting to do the second half for three weeks. We interjected there with the Lord's Prayer for one week, and then the two following weeks, uh, we were having technical difficulties. But today, 
we about to get into this thing. We're going to look at a few more differences between us who call ourselves Israelites, who believe in Jesus and who believe in Genesis through Revelations and those that don't necessarily believe everything that they read. Because there is a difference between us who are Christians like uh, Paul and Peter were Christians in the Bible, the original Christians, and who call ourselves Israelites and those who are of the Israelite camps. All right. So let's go ahead, jump into it and look at a few more differences. I hope this helps y'all out. But if it don't, hallelujah anyway. All right. First thing first here tonight. A lot of the Hebrew Israelite camps believe that there are many other books that you should be reading so that you can have a full understanding of God's book, right? They have, um, what is it? Uh, 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 from Babylon, a Timbuktu, um, the Valley of the Dry Bones, We the Black Jews, uh, uh, Pillars of Ethiopian History, um, you name it. It's a lot of them out there and a lot of them ascribe to what's in those books. Now, I'm not saying that those books don't have some truth, but they're not the word of God. So we should not hold them at the same standard as the word of God. And many times there's things in those books that contradict what's in the word of God. So we have to make a decision. Do we believe what's in that book or do we believe what's in his book? Because if it's in that book and it's true, then it should also be in his book. Therefore, we don't need that book. Now, one more thing before we jump into this. This is one thing that I like to keep in people's mind when they talk about all these other books and how in order to get a true understanding of what the Bible is saying, we need those other books. Well, this is the fact, okay? If I need a book written by a man to understand a book that was written by God, that means without that man, I cannot know the God that I worship. Then that man becomes my God because I need him to understand what God it is that I'm worshiping. Uh-uh. That dog don't hunt around here. Exodus 12 and 12. Let's go there. Let me show you why that dog don't hunt round here. Why that dog don't hunt round him. Exodus 12 and 12 says this. And further, by these, my son, be admonished of many books. I'm sorry, of making many books. There is no end. And much study is weariness of the flesh. Mm, mm, mm. He said, of making many books, there is no end. There's always going to be another book. There's always going to be another understanding. There's always going to be higher learning. That's always going to happen. But he also says, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Yeah, it wears on your mind when you're busy reading this book and that book and this book and that book, trying to understand the other book. Matthew 15 verses 8 through 9. I'm about to show y'all why that dog don't hunt around here. I'm about to show y'all why we don't ascribe to any other book like we do this one. Not saying you can't read no other books. All I'm saying is don't teach that another book is the word of God. Don't teach that another book is how you understand the word of God. All right. Matthew 15, 
8 through 9 says, This people draws near unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and I'm sorry, teaching teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. If those books were written by men and that's what we're teaching, then we're teaching the commandments of men. Romans 3 verse 4. Romans 3 and only verse 4. It says, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mayest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Let God be true and every man be a lie. If we believe that the Bible is the word of God, then if somebody else writes something else outside of this book, it is written by a man and it says, let God be true and every man be a lie. Luke 4 verse 4. Luke 4 and verse 4. We looking at this thing. I'm trying to show y'all why that dog don't hunt around here. Why we don't allow that dog to hunt. Matter of fact, we ain't even letting the dog off the leash around here. You feel me? Luke 4 and verse 4 says, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Let God be true. Let every man be a lie. It says that we shouldn't live by bread alone, but how do we live? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? So what book is there written where the word of God is proceeding? The Bible. There is no other book where we can find the words of God. This is the only one. So this is how we live. Proverbs 30 verse 5. Proverbs 30 and verse 5. This is what it says. It says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Every word of who? Every word of God is pure. That's why we only read God's book. That's why we only need God's book. Luke 11 verse 28. You're getting into this thing. We're going to kill all of that. Luke 11 and verse 28. It says, but he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. So who's blessed? Those that hear the word of God, not the word of those other authors, not the word that came out of the mind of a man, but the word of God. First Peter 1 verse 23. Again, 1 Peter 1, verse 23. This is what it says. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Show me where in this book that teaches us about the one and only true God, the God that we say that we serve, the God that we say that we love. Show me in this book where it says the word of man, the word of any man abides forever. It says, but by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That means it don't stop. Yeah. Hebrews 11 verse 3. 
Hebrews 11 and verse 3. It says, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The worlds were framed, were created, appeared from nothing out of what? The word of God. Can't no man's word do that. No man's word has that much power. We only believe in the word of God. We only need, got to have, can't live without the word of God. Luke 8 and verse 21. Luke 8, verse 21. Only God's word. Luke 8 and 21 says, And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. How are you a part of Jesus' family? By the word of a man? By the word out of uh, some encyclopedia? Some black author? Somebody who had their own revelation, somebody who has a higher enlightenment and a higher understanding. No, you are Jesus family by the word of God, by hearing the word of God, Genesis through revelations and doing it. Got to say that. Got to put the icing on the cake because without the icing, cake ain't nothing. You feel me? So the way that we become Jesus family is by hearing what this book and only this book. There is no other scripture in here I've ever read that said that you can become Jesus family by doing something somebody else tell you Jesus said you should do. No, he said by the word of God, hearing the word of God and doing it. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. We're going to keep this thing rolling. Not only because my computer might mess up, but just because we're going to keep it rolling, it feels so good. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, I ask you, show me anywhere that God told us, not some man, show me anywhere in this book where God told us that the word of a man is this powerful. I'll wait. Okay, I'm tired of waiting because it ain't going to happen. It's not in there. You're not going to show me. So if this is the word of God, if we believe that this book Genesis through Revelations is the true word of God, then that means we don't need other books. That means they are not necessary because as long as we have this book, we have all that we need. Joshua 1 verse 8. Again, that's Joshua 1 and verse 8. This is what it says. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make thy way prosperous and then shall have 
I'm sorry. And then you shall have good success. Which book? This book. First two words in the whole text. This book. Not everybody else's. This book shall not depart out of your mouth. That means this is supposed to be the only book you're talking about all the time. It says, but you shall meditate therein day and night. It's supposed to be on your mind all the time. That's why it only makes sense that it's in your mouth all the time. That you may not just observe it, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Therein where? First two words of the text. This book. Revelations 22. Verse 7. Revelations 22 and verse 7 says this. It says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the saying of the prophecy of what? This book. Which book? This book. Whose book? God's book. This book. Come on, say it with me. This book. Good job. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Feel good tonight, y'all. I don't know if it's just because my computer working or the freestyle I did at the beginning. I don't know what it is. I just feel good. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who... For the joy that was set before him endures the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, get your book out. All y'all that describe to all of those books, all y'all that feel like you can't understand the word of God without these books, all y'all that feel like you can't understand how to worship him, you can't understand where you come from or who you are without those other books, get them in your hand. Lay them out on your desk, lay them out on your floor if you got too many of them, or just look on your bookshelf. Now look on there and tell me who the author is. Because if it don't say Jesus, if it don't say Heavenly Father, then that book has nothing to do with your faith. How do I know? That's exactly what he just told us. Looking unto Jesus, the author. Now what is an author? Look up the definition of author. It's someone that writes something, right? the author and the finisher of our faith. This is the author who we ascribe to. I'm not saying it ain't some good books out there. All that I'm saying is we will not teach or hold them at the same level or standard like we do the word of God because they are not the word of God. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Next topic, please, sir. So the next thing we're going to talk about is how some of these camps truly and honestly do not believe that Jesus is a part of the Godhead. Now, Jesus is God in his own right, but he is not God the Father. So if that's what you believe, then we believe the same thing. But I believe that Jesus the Son and God the Father together makes up the God that we serve in which the Bible calls the Godhead. But a lot of them do not. So instead of getting into why they believe that he's not, we're going to talk about why we believe that he is. 
Now, I know some of my brothers out there got a ton of scriptures running through their mind right now to prove that Jesus is a part of the Godhead, especially after I mentioned the challenge that some of these brothers put out on last week's podcast. But I done carved out a yellow brick road here, and we gonna go down this yellow brick road, and I'm gonna walk it down for you with the ones that came to me, right? I know there's gonna be plenty more, brothers. Trust me. I know. Don't be yelling at the podcast, yelling out scriptures, asking, man, say this, say that. Listen, I done carved out a yellow brick road, or let me, let me, let me, let me take that back. God has carved out a yellow brick road, and that's the one we gonna follow today. But again, brothers, I know that there are plenty more out there. So we're going to go ahead and jump into this one. We're going to walk down this yellow brick road and we're going to see why we truly believe that Jesus is a part of the Godhead. So let's start this one in John 17 and we're going to read verses 9 through 11. John 17 Verses 9 through 11. This is what it says. It says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, that they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom you has given me, that they may be one as we are. Jesus just said that him and his daddy are one. He said that they may be one as we are. If you say to yourself, but that ain't necessarily what it means. Let's go to John 10 and verse 30. Same book different chapter. Let's see if he made it just a little simpler for you to understand what he's saying. John 10 verse 30 says, I and my father are one. I know some of y'all still saying to yourself, that still don't mean what you say it mean. Well, guess what? I ain't said it mean nothing. All I did was read it, but let's go on. Let's stay in John and go to 14. John 14 And we're going to read verses 9 through 11. John 14, verses 9 through 11. This is what it says. It says, Jesus says unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet has you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen my father, Paul's. Mm. He that has seen me seen who? Brother Rick didn't say this. This is what Jesus said. Who did it say? Who did he say you see and when you see him? Okay, let's go on. It says, and how says you then show us the father? Believe you not that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the father that dwells in me. He does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. He said, when you see me, you see the Father, because I am in him and he is in me, and the words that I speak ain't even my own. Those are my daddy's words. 
me and the father are one. That's just what he told us in John 17 and John 10. But I got a feeling that still ain't enough for somebody. So let's go to Colossians and we're going to go to chapter one and we're going to read verses 12 through 15. Colossians chapter one, verses 12 through 15. It says, giving thanks unto the father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now, if I'm not mistaken, in John 14, he said that when you see me, you see my father. Somebody believes that that's figurative. But when we get to Colossians 1, it says that he is the image of the invisible God, which means he looks just like God the Father. But ain't that exactly what he told us? Not figuratively, literally. He looked like his daddy. He looks like the father that we serve. But I got a feeling that still ain't enough. So let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter one, and we're going to read verses one through four. Hebrews chapter one, verses one through four. It says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they it says that he is the express image of his person. I gave you John, Colossians, Hebrews. This is not a figurative saying. This is very literal. Jesus looks exactly like his daddy, just like my son look like his daddy and somebody else's son look just like they daddy. This is not figurative again. This is literal. He looks just like his daddy because him and his daddy are one. But I got a feeling that somebody is starting to be convinced, but this still ain't enough for you. So let's go back to John 14. And this time we're going to read verses 1. And we're going to skip down and read verse 7. John 14, verse 1 and verse 7. This is what it says. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, some people say Jesus never told us we should believe in him. Pause. Ain't that exactly what he just said right here? Hmm. 
Verse 7. It says, If you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Remember, he said, when you see me, you see my father. He said, the words that I speak, they are not mine, but they are my father's. He said, therefore, from this point on, you know him and have seen him because you know me and have seen me. Why? Because you believed in him. Believe also in me because I and my father are one John 1 verses 1 through 2 and then we're gonna skip over to verse 14 I'm telling you he carved this yellow brick road out so smooth it was surprising to me when I reviewed these notes John 1 verse 1 through 2 and then verse 14 this is what it says it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God. Now, say the word. That don't mean a whole lot, right? Hmm, let's find out. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh. Oh, hold up. We ain't just talking about just verbal words, but we're talking about words that became flesh. Must be a person, right? Had flesh on it. Let's find out. 14 again. It says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and mercy. So the word was in the beginning. It was with God and it was God. It explicitly tells us that the word was God. Then it tells us that the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us, right? So I can hear somebody saying, why are we talking about the word when we're supposed to be talking about Jesus? Good questions. Revelations 19 verses 11 through 13. Revelations 19 verses 11 through 13. Remember, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Remember that. Let's find out if that word was an actual person. And if it was, let's see what his name was. Revelations 19, 13 to 11 says this. And I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and his head, I'm sorry, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. So this person right here who had eyes of fire, right? And a vesture dipped in blood. His name was called. They called him the word of God. Now, somebody saying he said that he had a name that no man knew. So you can't prove that that's Jesus. Let's find out if the Bible tells us who had eyes that were flames of fire and who it was that was wearing that vesture dipped in blood. Now, like I told you before, we're going to walk this thing down so that we can 
hush all the naysayers. And so that somebody might be uplifted, somebody might be edified with the word of truth as we continue our series of who we are. All right. So let's see who had eyes of fire and who was it that was wearing this vesture who they called the word of God. First, let's look at the eyes of fire. Let's go to Daniel 10 and we're going to read verses five through six. Daniel 10 verses five through six. It says, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with fine gold euphas. His body also was like the burl and his face as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like a color of polished brass and the voice of his words were like the voice of a multitude. So the same guy with eyes of fire in Revelation Daniel first told us about, right? He said that his loins were girded with the gold euphaz and he had eyes of fire and his skin was polished brass. Let's go to Revelations 1 and we're going to read verses 13 through 15. Let's figure out who this guy is with eyes like fire that they called the word of God. Revelations 1 13 through 15. It says, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one unto like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as it as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. Does this not sound like the exact same guy who Daniel was talking about? It says that he had uh, his loins girded, or this one says he was girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Daniel said he was girded with fine gold of Euphaz. It says that his eyes were as a flame of fire. Daniel said his eyes as lamps of fire. Revelation said, and his feet was like unto fine brass. Daniel said, and his feet like in color of polished brass. Now in Revelations, it said one like unto the son of man. So who is the son of man? I know you know, but let's go see if the Bible tells us or if we need somebody else's book to figure it out. Who is the son of man? Good question. Matthew 16, and we're going to read verses 13 through 16. Who is this guy? that Revelations 19 tells us was called the word of God. And John 1 tells us the word of God was in the beginning and it was with God and it was God and it became flesh. So who was this word of God that it keeps talking about? Matthew 16, 13 through 16 says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? He said, I, the son of man. And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist. 
some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, who do they say that I, who am I, the son of man am? Jesus explicitly told us that he is the son of man. Revelation said the son of man was the one who had eyes like fire, skin like brass, the voice of a multitude as Daniel called it, or many waters as Revelations called it. It said that he was girded about with a golden girdle or a fine gold of Euphaz. And in Revelations, that same guy with those same eyes was called the word of God. In John 1, it says the word of God was God. Jesus and the Father are one. But if that does not convince you, which I'm sure somebody is still holding on to their unbelief. Remember, I said, let's also see who this guy is that had this vesture so that we can really identify who he really is. Let's go back to that Revelations 19 and look at this vesture one more time. This time, we're going to read only verse 16, though. Revelations 19 and verse 16. It says, and he has on his vesture. This is that same vesture dipped in blood. The guy who was called the word of God that John tells us was God. Okay. It says, uh, and he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So this guy right? Who was God, right? Has a name written that he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So let's see if the Bible tells us who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's go to first Timothy chapter six, and we're going to read verses 14 and 15. First Timothy chapter six, 14 and 15. Let's see who the Lord of Lords I'm sorry, let's see who the King of King and the Lord of Lords actually was. It says that you keep his commandments without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus was called the word of God. Jesus was the one who was in the beginning and was with God and was God and became flesh. Jesus and the father together creates the Godhead. Now, some people say, well, Jesus never said that he was God. Oh, really? Let's find out if that's a true statement, that Jesus never said that he was God. Let's go to John 1, and we're going to read verse 18. John 1 and verse 18. It says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So it tells us that no man has ever 
at any time seen the Father. John 5, verse 37. Let's see what it says. John 5 and 37 says, And the Father himself, which has sent me, who he saying? He saying Jesus, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. So, John 1 and 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. That means Genesis all the way up until this point. That means Adam had never seen the father. It says no man at any time. So any man living in the confinement of time has never seen God the father. John 5 and 37 says we have never heard his voice or seen his shape. So that means he's never verbally spoken to any man ever throughout history. And no one has ever seen his physical shape ever. Let's get that understood as we continue to show you how Jesus told us and showed us that he has always been a part of the Godhead. So if he has never, so if no man has ever seen him and no man has ever heard his voice, then who was Moses and then who did Moses and Adam see and speak to? Who were they talking to back then if they weren't talking to God the Father? Some people might say, well, they were talking to angels. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Let's see what God says about who they were talking to. Well, let's see what the Bible says about who it was that they was really talking to. Let's go to 1 Corinthians and we're going to read chapter 10 and we're going to go from verse 1 to verse 4, then we're going to skip down and read verse 7 through verse 11. Again, verse 1 through verse 4, then verse 7 through verse 11. This is what it says. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. That spiritual drink that Moses and them drank, that spiritual meat that Moses and them ate, the Bible tells, not some man, not somebody's understanding, the Bible tells us specifically that that rock was Christ. Let's skip down to verse 7. It says, Neither be you idolaters as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt who? Tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Now all these things happen unto them for examples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. It says, neither let us tempt who? Jesus Christ. 
as some of who did? Some of them did. So it specifically tells us that they have been dealing with Jesus all the way back then, before he had ever came in the flesh, right? Back up in verse four, it says he was that spiritual drink. He was a spiritual meat. So he was who they dealt with spiritually all the way back then, since the beginning of time, we've always dealt with Jesus. How do we know? Because he said no man at any time from the beginning of time has ever seen the father, has ever heard his voice or has ever seen his shape. So since we know now that they have only dealt with Jesus in the Old Testament, according to what Paul is teaching us. There's other scriptures, but we ain't going to get in all of that right now. We got a lesson in season one about that. But anyway, since we definitely know for sure now that Adam and Moses and everyone in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Elijah, Jacob, all of them has only dealt with Christ. Now, let's see if Christ had ever called himself God. Since we know what we know now, that means every time we see these statements that I'm about to read, we know for sure that Jesus said it. Let's go to Isaiah 44 and verse 6. Isaiah, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 44 and verse 6. It says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me, there is no God. Jesus said beside him, there is no God. He's not excluding God the Father. It's an inclusion thing. Him and God the Father make one God. Beside him, there is no God. Isaiah, next chapter over, chapter 45 and verse 21. Let's see what else Jesus said. Remember, whatever God said in the Old Testament, it's Jesus talking. So all of that Jesus never said, Jesus never said, we know too much now to act like we don't. Isaiah 45 and 21 says, tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a savior. There is none beside me. We know who said that. We know who called themselves a just God and a savior. And it only makes sense because once he comes in the flesh, who do we worship today as our savior? Thank you. You know the answer. Hosea 13 verse 4. Hosea 13 and verse 4. Remember, they say Jesus ain't never said he was God. Hosea 13 and 4 says, Yet I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt, and you shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. We know for sure that Jesus said he was God. Anybody that understands what they read and believe it cannot be misinformed by understanding that Jesus said he is God and that Jesus is a part of the Godhead. 
one last one on this topic and we moving on. Colossians 2 and we're going to read verses 8 through 9. Colossians 2 verses 8 through 9. Is Jesus a part of the Godhead? Let's see what this says. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit. Mm. After the tradition of men. Mm. After the rudiments of the world. Mm. And not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For in him dwells the entire Godhead bodily. There's no one, nor will there ever be anyone, that the complete Godhead dwells inside of, except he who's already a part of the Godhead. So, this is why we understand and know and believe that Jesus is and always has been a part of the Godhead. Jesus told us that he is God. Jesus told us to believe him. Jesus told us, I didn't get into the other scriptures, but he also told us to worship him. If he was not God, then he would be going against God to say any of this stuff. But because he is a part of the Godhead, this dog hunts. Do you feel me? Now, next thing next. A couple of topics we covered in the last season, right? That is a major difference between us and some of those camps. And that is a lot of them don't believe that his name is Jesus. You can go back and listen to the name lesson from season one for all of those scriptures. And then a lot of them believe that hell or the lake of fire is only a state of mind. You can also go back to season one to listen to what is, uh, what is it? What and where is hell or something like that? I believe it is. And we also talked about why we don't wear fringes. You can find that in the sacrificial law that I did like last March or something like that. So you can go back and listen to those lessons as well to help you with some other differences uh, as far as what they believe and what we believe. All right. So. Let's jump into the last topic for this who we aren't as far as the black Hebrew Israelite camps. The last topic seems to cause so well, you know what? All the topics seem to cause so much controversy because of a lack of understanding. But the last topic is Esau was not white. Stop it. Cut it out. Let me say it again. Esau was not white. This is a PSA, a public service announcement. Everybody let the world know that Esau was not a white man. How do we know? Why do we believe? How can we be certain? How are we so for sure that Esau was not a white man? Well, I am so glad you asked. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we only going to read verse 19. This is how we going to start this thing off. All right. Again, we going to follow this yellow brick road until it gets us to where God want us to be. 
1 Corinthians 13 and 9 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He takes the wise in their own craftiness. I wanted to point that out to say, get out of your own mind. Put down those other books. Stop listening to what everybody else is telling you. Stop eating what everybody else is feeding you. And let's get into the word of God and God will show us exactly what color Esau actually was. Now, let's go to Genesis 1 and we're going to read verses 11 through 12. Genesis 1 Verses 11 through 12. It says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding the fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself, after his kind and God saw that it was good. So we see that God made fruits and herbs to yield seed within themselves of its kind. That's why you can take an apple seed to grow an apple tree. That's why it takes a potato to grow potatoes. That's why it takes pumpkin seeds to grow pumpkins. God created these things to have the seed of their kind within themselves, which is no different than how he created a man. But let's keep reading. Let's go to Acts 2 and we're going to read verses 29 and 30. Acts 2, 29 through 30. It says, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he should raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Now, if I'm not mistaken, in Genesis, we read that uh, God created the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself, right? Then we go over to Acts and it says, and knowing that God had sworn an oath unto him that the fruit of his loins, his fruit that bears seed in itself of its kind, the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, right? The fruit bears seed of its kind within itself. This is what it means when it talks about the fruit of David's loins. Man, the man carries the seed. You can't take an apple seed to grow oranges. You can't take a uh, pumpkin seed to grow tomatoes. It does not work that way. A apple seed only gets you apples. They don't always come out the same color or the same way, same shape or the same size, but they are still all apples no matter what they look like. But let's keep reading. Let's see how we understand and know that the man carries the seed, that the man's fruit of his loins bear the seed of its own kind within itself, just like God created fruit in the beginning. Let's go to Exodus 1, and we're going to read verses 15 through 16. Then we're going to skip down and read verse 22. Exodus 1, 
15 to 16, and then verse 22. It says, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Verse 22. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Why did he want to get rid of the boys? Because if you kill the men who bear the fruit that has the seed within itself of its own kind, then you wipe out the entire race. If there is no Hebrew men with Hebrew seeds to plant, you can't grow more Hebrew men. See, a lot of them, and I just found this out recently, believe that the woman is the one who bears the seed. They believe that whatever your mother is, that's what your race is. But the Bible tells us differently. He says, save the women. Why? Because if an Egyptian man lays with the Hebrew woman, that child is an Egyptian because he grew from an Egyptian seed. But let's go on. Second Kings chapter nine and verse eight. Again, second Kings chapter nine, verse eight. It says, and the whole house of Ahab shall perish. And I will cut off from Ahab him that pisses against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel. Him that pisses against the wall. We understand that only men piss against the wall. So how was God going to cut off the lineage of Ahab to make sure that there was no more of his people on the earth? God was going to kill all the men who bear the fruit that has the seed of its own kind within itself. So with that being said, since we understand now that the man carries the seed, Let's go to Genesis 25, and we're going to read verses 23 through 25. Genesis 25, verse 23 through 25. It says, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. So they say that when he came out red and hairy all over, he came out red like a white baby. When white babies are born, they're born red. And they say that he's very hairy like a lot of white men. So with that being said, they go from there and they may have other reasons that they claim to believe Esau's white. But I know for sure this is one of them, right? They believe that he came out red with hair all over him like a little white baby. Okay, but if we stay in that Genesis and we read verse 25 one more time and then skip down to verse 30, then all of a sudden the definition or the visualization in our minds of what that color red actually is starts to change. So again, Genesis 25, we're going to read 25 again, then we're going to skip down to 30 and see what we think. 
Genesis 25 and 25 again, it says, And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. Verse 30, And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. So this Esau who came out red all over told Jacob to feed him with the same red pottage. Now ask yourselves, what color is red pottage? It only makes sense that Esau was not white because his daddy was not white. But the Bible says that he came out red all over. Then he told Jacob to feed him with some red out of some red pottage. What color is that red pottage? It's like a, a reddish brown color of a darker complexion. But let's keep looking at this red thing and see how else we understand what the Bible describes as red to be. Let's go to Numbers 19 and verse 2. Numbers 19 and verse 2. Let's see what it says about this reddish color. It says, this is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord hath commanded saying, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish and upon whom never came yoke. Go ahead, get on your computer, pull out your phones, your tablets, whatever you got to do and Google the red heifer, Google some red pottage and see what color red he really was. Zechariah 1 and verse 8. Zechariah 1 verse 8 says this. I saw by night and behold a man riding upon a red horse and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom and behind him were their red horses speckled with white. When it's talking about a person being red or an animal being red or a pottage being red, when this type of red is used in this descriptive manner, these are the colors that it's talking about. Why you still on Google, look up a red horse and tell me what color it is. Exodus 26 and 14. We're going to look at one more example here of what red skin looks like. Exodus 26 and 14, it says, and you shall make a covering for the tent of ram skin dyed red and a covering above of badger skin. So if you look up dyed lamb skin, red dyed lamb skin, it is a color that we would say is a darker color. Uh, more of what we call black people today, not red as in bloodshot red or red as in um, pink, how some white people are. And I'm not racist. If there's anybody out there listening, when I say white people, y'all know I got love for y'all and I ain't trying to say nothing racist. I'm just making a point based off what we read to show you the differences between how we believe the whole Bible and how some people take it and make stuff up and create their own doctrine. All right. But back to this. While you're Googling, Google uh, red dyed ram skin and you'll see that it's close to the same color as red pottage, close to the same color as a red heifer, which is close to the same color as a red horse. And it's not one of those that we would consider to be close to the same complexion of a Caucasian person. As a matter of fact, if we believe that Esau was white, then we would also have to believe that King David was white. 
because the Bible says that King David was ready and that just means red. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17 and verse 42. 1 Samuel 17 and 42. It says, And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. So it says that he was ruddy, which just means he had red skin. Now, to get an understanding of what color ruddy actually is, which just means red. So if we understand what color ruddy is, then we understand what color red is as well. To get that understanding, let's go to Lamentations and we're going to read chapter four and only verse seven. Lamentations chapter four and only verse seven. It says her Nazarites were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies. Their polishing was of sapphire. Now, take some time while you're still on Google looking up the pottage and the heifer and the red horse and um, the dyed ram skin. Also look up the color of rubies. Rubies are a deep, dark red color, which you could almost compare to brown. Again, I say, Esau was not a white man. Mind you, that topic has nothing to do with salvation, but I just wanted to show you the difference of what we believe and what they believe. We believe in the whole Bible and only the Bible. We are not them. They are not us. These black Hebrew Israelite camps they are exactly who we aren't. Well, family, I pray somebody got something out of that one. I've been trying to give it to you for a while and a few of y'all been expecting it. By the grace of God, I was finally able to get it done while my computer was still acting right. So with that being said, I love y'all like I always love y'all. And I'm going to see y'all when I see y'all. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, until next time, family, always remember I love you. And it's okay to be right, but it's better to be righteous. For more info and to keep up with the 52-song challenge, go to berighteouspodcast.wixsite.com forward slash the BRP or call 815-310-5737. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and if you don't know, now you know, now you know. Let me tell you about the truth. About the truth. Cross my heart. I won't lie to you. I won't lie to yeah. you. Let me tell you.
me tell you about it All y'all really done messed up We gon' put you on the boat with the rest of Don't be looking at me dumb with the best cup He got something for you no matter where you from You keep it one but you ain't keeping the rest of He gon' put you on the lake with the best of Why the whole world trying to make love We putting on but I wanna create love Give you a new body, so we gon' tell everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a soul for the creator, but he's got, he don't need your paper. He got everything he need to save ya. When the time right, he gonna be like a paper. He said that sex is marriage. Your heart is really your mind. Your soul is just your body. If you see that, you shall find. Tell me about the truth. About the truth. Cross my heart. Blurred. The truth is the word I, I don't care what you heard 